The following sermon is by Manny Alaniz, pastor at St. Stephen's Chapel in Northwest San Antonio, Texas. For more information, for prayer, or to support us financially, please visit our website at stephenschapel.org or call us at 210-241-5969. Have you ever found yourself in a situation where you felt completely helpless, completely powerless, a situation where you were not able to do anything on your own and that anything that you needed or wanted or had to have was being done by someone else. Someone else had to do it in your Instead, have you ever been in a situation or a position like that? If I carry that out one step farther, what if? What if you didn't know that you were in a position like that? What if you didn't know that right now, this very moment, you were in a position just like A few weeks before my mom passed away back in 2015, she was in a state of complete helplessness. She was not able to do anything on her own. She couldn't feed herself. She couldn't drink water. She couldn't do anything. She couldn't move. We had to take care of her every needs, everything. In our passage today, we see that that's what's going on. That's what's happening. That we are in a position, even at this moment, when it comes to salvation, that God has to act on our behalf to save us. Many of many of you know, many of you who know me personally know that that uh, I came to Christ. Late in my adulthood, late in life, later in life, not not real late. I was in my 30s, late 30s, if, if I fully make a confession. I look back at my younger life before God saved me, before I came to Christ, uh, even into my early life, my teenage years, and even before then, remember running from God. Now, I never had a doubt that there was a God. I mean, there had to be a God. It was too much. You step outside in the, in the night sky and you realize there's something bigger out there. You can certainly feel small when you go out there and you start contemplating and meditating on that. But who does that when you're growing up? Who does that when you're trying to live the life? Who does that when you're trying to conquer everything in front of you who does that when you're being subjected to the things that come at you from this world, especially as you get into your teenage years with high school peer pressures and everything else? It's trying to survive. So I do remember even if I got when I got into my 20s and 30s, I actually ran from God. I wanted to do what I wanted to do. As a point goes, 
I wanted to be the master of my fate, the captain of my soul. So I did what I wanted. Now, you got to understand that, and you know people like this, okay? So I'm just talking about people that you know, but it was me. You know people that have heard the gospel, that have heard about Jesus. They know Jesus. They'll tell you they know Jesus. That they, they, they heard about the gospel. I heard about the gospel. So I thought I really knew what the gospel was. But the reality was I didn't know. I didn't know the gospel. I didn't know the true and living message of the gospel. It had not resonated in me. It had not resonated in my soul. Now, there's a, there's a lesson just right there to be learned. Many people that you know will tell you that they know Jesus, that they know the gospel. But has it resonated in their souls? Because if it had, or if it has, their life will change. Their behavior changes. Now, that's scary because, because we have loved ones that tell us that they know Jesus, but they nothing has changed in their life. And you you know that, and so you're keep, you keep praying for them. And, and you keep telling them to come worship. You keep telling them about Jesus. And they go, I know Jesus. They're like I was. Christ had not resonated in my soul. Finally, in a, in a state of spiritual desperation and hopelessness, I cried out to God. Perhaps that's what it took. In fact, I know that's what it took. Sometimes that's what it takes. Guys, please don't let it get back to that point. Please think about who Jesus is. Hear about it. Ask, call out to God. But sometimes you're like Manny Alanis, you are hard-headed. You're a police officer with a gun and a badge, and you think you got it all under control. You don't. And so he puts you in a, in a position where you can't do anything. You're totally helpless. You can't do anything but cry out to him. And I did. And by his grace and mercy, he saved me. But here's, as, as I started growing in my relationship with him. Now, I'm talking as if I knew that back then. I didn't know this back then. I can look back and, and tell you about it. But after God saved me, I thought I chose him. I thought, well, you know, after evaluating everything that's going on in my life, after hearing about this and hearing about that, well, Jesus looks like a pretty good choice. I really need him, and I know I hear he can change things. So I thought I, I thought I chose him, but it, it got even worse than that. I was in a position where I had grown sons, like my grandsons are grown. My two oldest ones are here, and, and my third or fourth oldest. But anyway, I, I had sons, and, and, and they were getting into the world, okay? You know, anybody that's been a parent knows what I'm about to say. And you, when they're little, you can tell them this and that and this and that, and they better do it or suffer the consequences, and, and they ask questions just because I said so. How's that? You know, you don't have time to explain it. If you did explain it, they wouldn't understand it. 
So you tell them, no, that's the way it is. But as they get bigger, as they get older, they start experiencing things. They're out there. They start driving. They're out there with their friends. They're out there in the world. And, oh, God, the world back then when I was growing up was bad. But it's not anything compared to what's what's going on today. Amen to that. Nothing compared to what our kids are facing today and our grandkids. So I was put in a position where I couldn't control not just what was going on in my life. I couldn't control what was going on in their life. But I knew who could. I I knew someone who could actually watch over them. And that brought me to faith. Isn't that terrible? Uh, it being, if it was up to me, I would have just died in my sinfulness. But it took, it took God humbling me with with something I love even more than me, if you can imagine that, other than Sandy, my children. And so, guess what? God is sovereign. He 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 loves my children and grandchildren more than I do. And so he'll use anything to get your attention because that's what he wants. He wants your attention. I thought I chose God, but scripture scripture tells us otherwise. The act of accepting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and responding to what God has already done is just exactly that. It is a reaction. God acts, and we react to what he has done. God acts, we react. Not only does it to to us personally, he does it to others, to the kingdom-bound folks. Here's what's amazing. Here's why worshiping is supernatural. Because he did that before before he spoke the universe into existence. Now, we know that, okay? Many of you know this James Webb telescope, this space scope, this telescope that's a million miles away. This James Webb telescope, but is it a million miles away? It's already the Earth, a million miles away. In what they call the Lagrange point. Okay? You know what that that space telescope is doing? It's looking back into time. It's trying to find the origin of time. It's trying to go back 13.8 billion years to see the Big Bang, as they call it. That's what it's trying to do. And it hadn't done it yet. It's gotten close. But they're going, wait a minute, this might be more than we thought. Well, think about that. Think about the trillions of stars that are out there. Think Think about what they're trying to do. God chose you before everything that they're looking at. Existing. That is amazing. That's just kind of trying to put it on a human scale so we can understand what is going on. Scripture tells us that He has chosen to save you, to save us, and give us to His Son before the universe came into existence. In essence, According to scripture, our ability to choose God, to believe in Christ, has been corrupted by sin. 
Therefore, in our fallen state of being, our fallen state of corruption, we are unable to choose God. That's what Scripture says. Now, some the theologians are trying to figure out why is that so? Why is it so hard to choose God? You can think anybody can choose God or choose Christ. So now we're getting to a different point here. The Bible tells us we, of our own volition, so to speak, we cannot choose Christ. We cannot choose God. We choose ourselves. We choose ourselves. Think about that. We spoke about that last week when we talked about Adam and Eve. Remember that story about Adam and Eve? Real quick. I talked about it last week. No one remembers, so I'll say it again. Adam and Eve, perfect, paradise, free will, total free will, no sin. To corrupt our free will. None. God tells Adam and Eve everything. You can have everything. This whole place is just garden paradise. It's beautiful. Beyond our belief. Everything in here is yours. Take care of it. The animals, everything. Eat of any bush or plant. Anywhere. Eat of anything. You got everything. The universe is yours. Wow, that's pretty good, right? Right? Say yeah. So y'all know you're awake. Somebody go, man, he has that voice that I love to sleep. I listen to his sermons right before I fall asleep at night. <clears throat> hey, man, I know where you're coming from. But get into the spirit of it. How's that? Okay, so everything. Okay, but just this one thing, Adam. Okay, just this one thing, Adam. You can put your name in there, too, but Eve. You cannot eat of this tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That's the only thing you can do. That's it. Okay. Anything else you can do. Everything is yours. Just one little thing right there. You think you could do that? Adam and Eve couldn't. Perfect will. Perfect will. Wouldn't change it by sin. Perfect. Free will. Now, what happened? We know the story. Eve was deceived. Satan took, took the body of a serpent. Poor serpent was cursed because it was used by Satan. Satan was cursed as well. So Eve was deceived, but she still ate. She wanted to be like God. But what about Adam? See, every, you got to know this. I wish I could walk around because this is, this is interesting stuff. For years in the church, the, the imperial church, the church was what for years? At, at first, for centuries, first century. The theologians, those bad boy pastors and religious leaders, they blamed Eve. It was Eve. She dang it, she ate. She gave it to Adam. She did, why didn't she get cursed by herself? Why did this poor Adam? Right? That I gotta tell you, Adam is worse. His corruption is, is, is demonic. It's demonic. Before, Adam's sin is sinister. It's sinister. Eve eats and she gives to Adam, Adam eats. It doesn't say he heard Satan. It doesn't say anything. He just gets to the forbidden fruit and he eats of it. Why did he do that? Because he wanted to be like God. He did not want to be told what to do and what not to do. Doesn't that sound like us? 
Adam did not want to be told what to do and what not to do. And the minute he had a chance to eat of the forbidden fruit, he eats it. He does. That's sinister. That's demonic. But he wasn't possessed by a demon. He did it on his own. That's how bad it is for fallen humans. And that's how good God's grace is to be able to save us. That, God, just if you think about that later, please meditate on that. God's grace and love for you is beyond our comprehension. It is beyond our comprehension. So can you imagine if Adam and Eve couldn't choose God, choose to obey God? You think we have a chance in this fallen world? You were born eons after Adam and Eve. Tainted, you were born into a tainted, sinful environment. And now you're out, you're, you're being so, I, I can choose God. No, you can't. No, we can't. It is only by his grace that it happens. We need God to take action. Our passage today is talking about that. It's tell, actually telling us what, take, took, what took place, how it's done. Jesus' mission regarding God's sovereign plan for our salvation was to fulfill God's saving will. Isn't God wonderful? His will was to save us. And Jesus' mission was to fulfill that will. That's what our passage is talking about. All whom the Father has given the Son will come to the Son and be saved, the Son of God. God's desire is for us to realize that our eternal salvation is not accomplished on our own terms, but only through faith in Jesus Christ. Only through faith in Jesus Christ, regardless of what the world says. That's not what God said. That's the gospel. That's the gospel message. Most of us are familiar with the statement that Jesus died for our sins. We were familiar with the, what the, the most famous passage in the New Testament, John 3.16, where it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whomever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Read the next verse, and you'll hear that anyone who doesn't believe in him is already condemned already. He's condemned already. He's condemned already. Today's passage explains the gospel message that proceeds the, the process of salvation that God has and God's plan for salvation. We are taught and draw and draw near to God by God's grace. Be the work of Christ through the work of Jesus Christ. So what is the will of God for our salvation? What is the will of God for the salvation of the world? What is the will of Christ for the salvation of the world? And what and, and the what is the will of the beneficiaries of the salvation for the world? Who, will, who are the beneficiaries of God's will for salvation? Who are they? Do you know anybody? You do? I hope you do. It's you. You're the beneficiary. You and your loved ones who believe in him. So let's, real quick, we'll go over what the passage is saying. What is the will of God for our salvation? The will of God for our salvation of the world, for the salvation of the world. Please understand, it says world. 
is it the cosmos that all who he has chosen to believe in Jesus are sent or saved. God's will, the will of God, is for us to believe in Jesus because salvation comes through no other means. No other means. No religious people said, no, no, there might be some other ways. There, the Bible said it's not. Jesus is telling us that there's not. I don't care what you see on YouTube, okay? You, you can see a lot of stuff on YouTube. And these guys are getting up there to go, they sound very like they authoritative, right? Some of these guys are the devil himself. Jesus is telling us that he is the only one. So how can there be another way? Jesus told us he's the only one. Oh, well, you know, we can't really believe that. I mean, what about that guy in the deepest jungles of the Arnett Benson area in Lubbock, Texas? Let him know. Yeah, remember? I told Betty stories about this place. Some of you are going to have to drive the road and get to see it. I think they finally put a fence around the whole place. Now, that's a jungle. How is the gospel going to get in there? Well, we'll let God worry about that. And you know what? It did get in there. And it did save people. He has saved people anywhere they're at. You can't make any excuses. You cannot say, no, that's not true. What about this? Jesus is saying this. That's the truth. Now, maybe you don't believe in Jesus. That's another, well, that's another sermon. That's another discussion. So how is it accomplished? Well, we often believe, especially as a new believer, we believe that we chose God or we chose Jesus. But do we choose him? Do we choose him? The answer to that, and I already said no, but I'm going to tell you yes. <laughs> Just to confuse you. Of course you choose him. But he acted first. We're reacting to what he has done. That's not one of ours, I think, is there. <laughs> okay. Do we choose Christ? Do we choose him? Do I get everybody's attention again? Okay. What's the answer to that? Yes, we do choose him. We choose him after he chooses us. He acts, we react. He acts. This, this, this process of regeneration. It's this process of God going into your your body and removing the heart of stone, giving you a heart of flesh. This process of being born again. Jesus talks about that. Being born from above. Being born of the Spirit. Then the gospel starts making sense. Then you hear the gospel and everything changes. That happens in time and space. That happens sometime in your life. Now, some of us thought it happened way back when I was an ultra boy in the Catholic Church. I thought that was it. Now and then. I heard about it, but never happened. I fell down. No, but that's another story. And the altar where I was walking in the wrong road, and I stepped on that pan right in front of the priest. But, so, okay, so, that I thought I was saying about that. No. Conversion for me happened in my late 30s. That was conversion. 
that's some of us have to think about our lives to think about it. It happens differently to different people, okay? but that's what it happened. We do choose Christ, but not the way we think we choose that God chooses us first. As we look at verse 37, all that the Father gives me will come to me. All that the Father gives me will come to me. Verse 44 says, no one can come to me, to Jesus, unless the Father who sent me draws him to Jesus. That's a fact. That's how it happens. That's it. That's salvation. That's the gospel. You have to hear it. You have to hear it preached. You have to hear the word of God. You have to hear the gospel and the reaction. Everything else reacts to that. No one, not a single person can come to Christ unless the Father draws him or her to Christ. How does God do that? How does God draw us to Jesus? Well, verse 45 says this. Verse 45 is a quote from the prophet Isaiah. But Jesus quotes Isaiah. Jesus said, and they will be, and they will all be taught by God. God's wonderful, glorious love will compel us, compel us to come to Jesus. The love of God. Have you ever felt the love of God? Yeah, I'm getting, yeah. Nothing like it. It's real. And you can't explain it to anybody else who doesn't know what it feels like. You can't explain. Hey, I want to tell you. I want to tell you how. I want to tell you how the love of God feels. But you know what it feels like because you felt it. It's like you can go, yeah, no, no. I felt it. I feel it. I feel it now. It's very moment. A way to to, uh, to explain this that we're, we're helped by the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit, who's present now, who's present here, who's brought us here. God the Holy Spirit illuminates our hearts. He illuminates the teaching of God's word so that we can respond. Some people call it the effectual calling. Okay, it's like you hear the gospel all your life, all your life, you hear it all your life. It's one day you hear it, bang, it's like you never heard it before. The effectual calling, that's theologian talk there. One of the one of the things that's interesting is that when we run from God, and we know we're running from God, it's like He never gives up. There's a poem, and I've used it before, and I've talked about it before, called "The Hound of Heaven." The Hound of Heaven, written by uh, Francis Thompson, published back in 1893. It's a poem about God's unending divine grace. It's a poem that portrays God as a hound never stopping to pursue us, never stopping to pursue us. God's grace is depicted as a never, as, as ever drawing nearer to us. It's unceasing. It emphasizes that no matter how much we turn from him in sin, he'll never let us go. So that was, that was one of the things that I wondered, like, how come he just didn't let me go? In late 30s, right? Late 30s. I mean, like I I kept I committed capital murder sin type stuff. I mean, big sins. How come God never let me go? 
Can anybody tell me? Why didn't God let me there? He loves you. That's so why. What do you do with that? Yeah. What do you do with that? What are you going to do with God's love? Well, you know, I don't know. You're going to submit. You're going to give your life to Him. It's important to note that only through the uh, only through faith in Jesus Christ can we uh, obtain salvation and reach God in heaven. Verse forty says that everyone who looks no, listen to this. It says, verse 40 says, everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Okay, so it says that you look on Jesus, and then it says something else, believe. Remember that story, and I'll pick the face up, okay? The story of the Old Testament, everybody rebelled against God. They cursed God. They cursed Moses. They, they were just, everybody was sitting all over the place. God gets mad at them. He sent serpents, fiery serpents all over, all over, into here, right there, right there. They bite, they would bite people. People would die. They're just falling and die. There's death everywhere. And they couldn't get rid of the serpents. They couldn't get rid of them. So they finally go to Moses and say, Moses, 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 please pray for us. He said, we're dying. We're going to cease to exist. Now, this is something that does not make sense, what God tells Moses to do. He says, make a bronze serpent. <laughs> a bronze serpent. Get a pole. Get a pole. Put the bronze serpent on the pole and raise it up. High up. And everyone who looks at that bronze serpent and believes that God will heal them will be saved. Yeah. I'm sure there was many Alanises in there that would look at that. That's retarded. How's that going to help me with it? I'm dying here. I'm all swollen up. I'm in so much pain and agony. How is that going to help me? What's wrong with Moses? He's drinking too much wine. You know, like that's crazy, right? It doesn't make any sense. Look at a bronze serpent. That's what got me into this problem. And believe that God can save me. And you know what somebody would tell Manny? Somebody that loved him like Sandy. Benjamin. She would say, just do it. You tried everything else. You tried all the good identical stuff. Nothing worked. Like, look to Jesus. Believe. Even in your unbelief, say, believe. Please help my unbelief. I don't want to believe. You're it. You're my last hope. You are everything. And it's safe. To save them. That's that's Jesus. We're being told to look to Christ. Look to Jesus on the cross. What do we see? We see a man, nude, blood. We see sinfulness. We see sin. We see my sin. Nailed on the cross. We believe Jesus died for us. That's what we see. By that, we see and believe. 
Now, here's what it doesn't say. We see and believe in Jesus, but we also believe in this. We also believe in that. We also do this. We also do that. We also do this. We also no, it doesn't say that. That's heresy. Believe in Jesus, and you will be saved. Verse 40 uh, does talk about how he will, not only will we be saved, we will be raised up on the last day. What is that? Resurrection. Resurrection. When we die, or if he returns before we die, we will be resurrected. Bodily resurrection. We will be given an imperishable body. So there, I mean, it covers, this passage covers everything. It covers the gospel. It covers the gospel. The son submits to the father's will. It's accomplished because Jesus submits to the father's will. He, he submits to it. He wants to submit to it. He becomes a human. He lives his perfect life. He does all these miracles, miraculous signs so people could understand he is of God. Not only that, he rose people from the dead so they could understand that he was God. But then he allows himself to get murdered. He allows it to get murdered. He, he was raised on the third day, and then there's the resurrection. He was the first of many to come. What, is, what does God want? What does God want? Verse 39, answer that question. Jesus tells us that the will of the Father is that he should lose nothing or no one of all that the Father, that God the Father has given him. It does say nothing, okay, which includes no one, but it goes even beyond that. Even beyond that. The created order is going to be restored. And those who believe in Christ are going to see them, going to be raised, are going to have eternal life. I want to move forward. We, we talk about the beneficiaries, but I want to um, ask you about what have you heard during the sermon? Nothing. You know, earlier I asked if you've ever been in a position of helplessness, a, a position of helplessness where you had to depend on someone else to save your life. And so, you know, so you, that's something to think about. We probably know people that have been in that position. But here's what I got to tell you, that you're in that position right now. You're in that position of hopelessness right now when it comes to salvation. Think about that. When you were conceived, your heart started beating. And it has beaten a trillion times to this moment. And it's going to be until God calls you home. Which could be now, it could be later. It's God's will. When you were born, you started breathing. You've been breathing a trillion times, taking a trillion breaths. But there's no guarantee that the next breath is coming unless God wills it and allows it. We, we're a life support. 
It is God. It is God who has chosen you. It is God who's watching over you and at this moment. It is God who has called you to come to Jesus. Now, how do you know that that's you? How do you know that you were the one chosen? I mean, that's pretty powerful stuff. I don't, you know, I'm, I didn't even get chosen for the football team. I mean, they, they picked a girl in front of me. I mean, I don't know what to tell you. I just look very athletic. So how do you know that you're chosen? We're here. There's no doubt. Some of you don't have a doubt. It's, that's good because God has revealed that to you. But if you're in between, if you're in between, that's it. You've been chosen. All you have to do is respond to respond to it. Believe it. Believe it in your heart and proclaim it with your lips. Hey, I don't, you know, I can believe it in my heart. I have a friend, dear friend of mine, who, who's told me that. Oh, I believe in Jesus. I believe in him. I don't have to tell nobody. Okay, I mean, that's, the Bible says you have to proclaim it. Proclaim that he is your Lord and Savior. Proclaim him. What happens when you do that? In front of a group of people called this church? Oh, now, now, oh, now we know. Now, okay, that's what, the, what are you going to do? Tell us you lied later or something? No, now you're going to be held accountable? Well, not to anybody but to him. See, when you say something like that, you can't like, just go back and do what you normally when You're going to start thinking, I told everybody, I told everybody I belong to Jesus. How can I be doing this? How can I be looking at this? Pornography. How can I be hanging out with these people that are they're just gonna put me in prison if I keep hanging out with these guys? Didn't I tell everybody at the church and proclaim to him that I belong to him? Nah, that's it. You gotta proclaim. Do you believe in him? God's sovereign plan for salvation, for the salvation of the world, comes only through faith in Jesus Christ our Lord. Let us pray together. You've been listening to Manny Alanese, pastor at St. Stephen's Chapel. For more information about our church, visit our website at stephenschapel.org or call us at 210-241-5969. Please join us prayerfully and financially as we seek to glorify God by preaching His Word and spreading the gospel of grace in boldness and selflessness.